seven o'clock. Do you know where your freedom is? When they tightly strap me in, give me lethal injection. Just a few moments to live. No remorse for what I did. It's for the better better man. I gave the utmost sacrifice. Before more damage could be done, I took his life. There was a split second of silence when the dark punctured the skin. Executed by the state, all appeals would be in vain I was not criminally insane, in fact, I was found to be An otherwise caring and respectable member of society A minor threat, except for that one that I killed As the sedatives take effect, I just smile and close my eyes There's a priest still next to me, he asked me if I realized I was going straight to hell, and he thought that I should know That the man I killed to placement planned this whole scenario Okay, as promised, here is the second half of the Dead Zone recording. We will take a quick break, maybe play a promo, and then get right into it. There is no spoon. Yes, there it is. Okay, okay. Can we just talk about the damn movie? The flying guillotine is an awesome weapon. It's not practical. It's not even aerodynamic. But it's awesome! Chaps, could we possibly just talk about the movie? Easy Rider is cool. Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, 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 Easy Rider's cool. If you consider they're doing thousands of miles in the desert and they have fuel tanks the size of a pea. You'll get three miles out of that. Oh, not to mention one of them. One of the tanks is full of money. A cool bullshit. Okay, okay, can we just talk about the damn movie? Obsessive Cinema Discourse, where podcast worlds collide. Thanks for staying up late. (laughs) That's not a problem, man. I'm having a blast. I should not have went out drinking before this, so that was a bad idea. Ah, well. If I'd, uh, how long were you drinking? I feel like if I was drinking as long as you, I would have been asleep uh, by now. I started at two and stopped drinking at half ten. So, what's <laughs> that? It's like eight and a half hours. Yeah. Which was a bad move. And then I had to get the train back with Baz and then get a taxi as well. And then, yeah. Yeah. It was good fun. Uh, I had a lot of fun. We were talking about you, actually, me, um, Baz, Scott, Liam, all good things, of course. Uh, oh, sweet. Liam was telling me that I... Nice. Yeah, big, big, big fan. I told him to hit you up and get a guest appearance sorted out, um, because I can't be the only Scottish person that voice <laughs> an opinion you show that it, like, I'm a bad representative of my nation at any time. I don't want to trust this, but all Scots are like, Duncan, that's the bad fucking move. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's keen. He's keen to he's keen to uh, hit you up, so you should drop a line. Yeah, yeah. We talked uh, when we first started, sort of talking. Uh, we 
spoke briefly about he was kind of uh, wanting to do something related to the Vietnam War. And uh, I was totally fine with that, but I think he thought it had to be a horror, and he was trying to look a, look for a good horror. I think I need yeah, to tell him, tell him it can be, be horror. Any, I don't think he understands that it can be yeah. any genre. It, uh, yeah. So I, they're we, like they're legitimately fucking. I love their show. Like it's weird that like I got into doing podcasting through like um, Gil and Roscoe, who have long since you know departed the podcast world. And then I went and done my own thing, and then I hear this new Glaswegian horror podcast, and I listen to them, and they are like Gil and Roscoe in so many ways, <laughs> but they're just so much funnier. Oh, like, they're, see, they, they're When a blast. they did their top ten list, they did their top ten list in Scott's opening thing was number ten is Killing of a Sacred Deer. I've not seen it yet, but I know when I watch it, it'll be my number ten. <laughs> that, to me, I fucking about pissed myself at my desk. I thought I was hilarious. And then he's, he, he had all these honourable na- mentions of movies that he had fucking seen, which could have easily been number 10 on his list. <laughs> but it exists. Yeah. Oh, I, he loves that word. Yeah, he was, he, was, uh, he was telling me all about his, his Dawn of the Dead pick. I picked it and how he was wrong. He's like, because like, hey, Georgie Romero had a, this long career making movies after Fulci and I was like that actually Fulci <laughs> released more movies after Zombie Flesh Years to when he died in 1996 and George A. Romero released his entire career <laughs> not that I want to pick you up on that one but <laughs> yeah uh, again yeah. So, sorry I didn't do the movie club this month it took me longer to cut together my year one show than I thought it was yeah. gonna dude you, you, you swing something to me more often than you need to so yeah you've got you, you don't need to do anything in my eyes. You're you're, you're golden, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you go. Right, Bo's back. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, by the way, the problem uh, with American Bo is so what? <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Darren, uh, Duncan, and I have to charge you for the first half where we did <laughs> a, uh, essentially a private show for you. <laughs> yep. um, I'm gonna release I, it as Duncan and Bo go to Washington. How <laughs> much will it cost them, Bo? <laughs> What did uh, well, you say to Duncan and Boko? <laughs> 83 you need to say to Dunboko four things that you got from a corpse. Yeah, that's all. Nice. Body that's parts all. or otherwise, it's up to yep. you. Uh, we, but... will allow, I, we will allow any of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Duncan, I might have to send your payment straight to you because I don't know if you're going to get any of those Buckeyes. Oh, no, Baz is eating them all, but that's fine. Oh. <laughs> that's I saw. I, Bas can have them all. Well, I saw. Well, I saw that picture. I was like, man, fucking Buckeyes are delicious. Yeah. Well, well the, my my favorite thing about that, Baz every now and again thinks he can win over me in social media, and I shut him down, and he can't handle it. <laughs> so he's like that. He's like, oh, look at all these tasty Buckeyes, and all the rest, and all of that. I was like, you know what I'm dining on? I'm dining on the resentment, and you know the anger. <laughs> And all that shit that you've held for a whole year. That'll keep me thawing. He's like that. Oh, I wish I could write something about that. Yep, that's fine. Oh, you're suffering right now, Baz? I'll dine on that after lunch. I just leave him with that. Because I know it fucks him up. I know that he writes that shit, posts it, and he sees my response, and he gets angry. And that makes me happy. That itself is literally, I can imagine him just fucking getting angry reading it. And it makes me so happy. Um, <laughs> Throwing the so, Buckeyes so around like that gorilla in the suitcase commercial in the 80s. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. And I love that. That, to me, is where I exist. That's my happy place. So, yes, I ate, a, I ate all of them last time. If Baz wants them all, he can have them all. 
and then next year hopefully we will come together in unity and share them. Uh, <laughs> well, I have both your addresses now. You do indeed. You do indeed. Baz is like, and that's that's quite good. Like, you notice that Baz posted the thing on his Facebook page and redacted it, his address. Like, it's some sort of fucking FBI case <laughs> file that can't be read by anyone. Like, that's just your fucking address. Like, come on. Oh, like, no, that, that, that postcard, I blacked that out because it was advertising something that I... Uh... Ah, right. Well, I thought it was Baz would have done that anyway. But I do <laughs> think Baz thinks that people will start sending them, like, fucking... I don't know, shit in a bag or something. I, I don't know. I'm like, that. no one cares, Baz. Oh, they might send me something. I'm like, and? Accept <laughs> it. If someone is taking the time on another part of the world to send you something via mail, accept it, even if you don't want it. Uh, just shoot me his address. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Paul. I'll Release cut this part theory. out. Um, <laughs> yeah, you cut whatever you want. Right, uh, do you want to continue? I, I'm geared up. I will talk politics. I will talk dead zone. I will talk whatever you... Dan Wilson, this is your show. Hey, Wait. you know, I put the conversation together and let the tape roll. So wherever you guys want to take it, I am down. We have said dead zone at least once. <laughs> so that counts. J- judges? <laughs> yep. Ding. All yeah. right. It is a dead zone episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I fucking love this movie. Like me and Bo it, discussed yeah. we discussed this just just over a year ago, it'll be a year and a half ago that um we did this as part of Was it Cronenberg Palooza? I couldn't no, remember if it was one, the Cronenberg one, one or you did Stephen a separate King. one. Yeah, you did a separate oh, one right, after right. the Cronenberg thing. And even then I think the reason I got you on to do it at that point is because we did the big Cronenberg round table and we, we kind of rushed through the dead zone and you were like that, this is a movie I could to- talk a whole lot more about and I was like, right, cool, so when it came to the Stephen King adaptations, I was like, well the dead zone's definitely in the top ten of that and then I was like Bo, do you want to talk? Yes, and we, we had a good conversation about this and once again, this was pre-Trump He was running right. You guys were mentioning yeah. him, because I remember that's when I was like I'm going to see if I ever do Dead Zone on my show because I'd already started thinking about thinking about it because I, I started the show officially a couple of months before the election was when I Gosh, told yeah, everybody yeah. about it. But um, I was like, I need to try to get one or both of these guys if I ever do Dead Zone. And, about how uh, we're prophetic? <laughs> <laughs> that oh, we had well, eerie I think, powers? I think at that point, neither one of us believed that Trump again, so... Oh, of course not. He had talked about grabbing people by the pussy. I didn't think... I don't even think that had come out yet. I don't think the the, the by the pussy had even come... I think that at that point we were still talking about... He's talking about a wall and make America great again. Right. And also, he's Donald Trump, who throughout the 80s was a joke. Yeah. (laughs) Trump stakes. His catchphrase catchphrase is, you're fired. Um, He does this weird thing when he does this kind of circle where he's forefinger and his thumb when he's talking <laughs> and it's like an okay signal when he talks and uh, he seems to use the word like greatest great bestest biggest and he also like <laughs> saying china 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 I, I think uh, that was in the, yeah. I think that was in a summer, and then I think grabbing by the pussy was like the month before the election. It was, That's yeah, right, so yeah, because we that we was going to bury him. Yeah, yeah. we were um, my show in August, so yeah, it was months but, before that. But yeah, like I did, I tell you the story about seeing this in the theater 
near here? You told me, but you should probably reiterate it on here. All right, so a friend of mine and I uh, were going to see The Dead Zone, which was here at the local horror movie theater, uh, which, like, every weekend plays a double bill Friday and Saturday nights of something. And I hadn't really gone uh, because it seemed kind of low rent. And I was like, eh, I don't want to end up in, like, the back of somebody's, you know, smoke shop, vape shop, uh, (laughs) where he's like, hey, I got a projector. We're going to watch a DVD. Um, so so uh, we, we go to the movie, and sure enough, like, I don't know how, uh, however long it takes for Christopher Walken to start wiping the condensation off the windshield. The fucking Stars logo pops up in the bottom right of the screen. <laughs> it's like all right yeah that feels right (laughs) oh god it looked mostly like a theater (laughs) (laughs) do you remember everything that happened to you that evening are there are there dead zones in your memory no no i uh we we had a bad uber driver but we were not struck by a milk truck you know, God did not throw a truck at us. Um, <laughs> Real sport. Oh, man, I fucking love All right, for one second, let's talk about this movie. And in particular, how amazing Christopher Walken is. It's probably his Johnny best Schmidt. role. It's probably it's, his best role. And I'm, I'm including there. the deer hunter. Yeah, like, I think, I it's think better. this is better. Yeah, I think this is his best performance. As an actor, and I love him. Is the kind of quirky, weird thing, and I love him in like so many different incarnations of Christopher Walken, which is essentially Christopher Walken. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, he's like Sean Connery that way; he's always Christopher Walken, and it's just because he's so unique in not only his voice but just the way he acts. Um, I think this is—I think you get the full range of what this guy can do as an actor in this movie and I don't think he can boast a performance as strong in any other movie I, I would not argue against that and I don't know any other movie that he was in where he starts out reading the raven like no, Christopher Walken know. reads the raven and the raven never flitting still is sitting still is sitting on the pallid bust of palace just above my chamber door and his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor. And my soul, from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor, shall be lifted nevermore. Pretty good, huh? But my, my favorite bit in that whole scene is when he says, uh, uh, when he's assigning them the uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And when he says, like, <laughs> it's, it's about a, a headless horseman who kills a teacher. You're going to love it. Okay. I want you to read The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. You're going to like it. It's about a school teacher who gets chased by a headless demon. <laughs> it's so it's fucking good, man. A headless so... horseman. <laughs> going to kill your teacher. Kind of love it. <laughs> it's got to be great. Um <laughs> Yeah, it, it, he's so amazing in the role. Like, all through the movie, whether it's it, it's the scenes up front where he, you know, 
uh, is giving her the, like, I'm going to marry you, you know? And I'm, like, bought in because I'm a big sap. I'm like, you sure are, <laughs> such Johnny. A, such a fucking... I am. I'm fucking... Really let me tell you about a Star Trek episode that recently... <laughs> <laughs> brought me down um are you still doing that star trek in 30 hours thing or whatever uh in 40 hours yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i'm not all the way through it yet he's been fucking crying like a little schoolgirl i man that that episode fucking ruined me lol was (laughs) i was into it i was like lol i I was like does she appear because i again i haven't seen a lot of next generation so i'm like well is she just around on the show now and because i didn't know and Fucking no. Uh, she is not. Sort of weird, weird, weird fucking Android snuff movie he was watching. <laughs> right, right. I was like, is this gun lol? Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, like all through the movie, like uh, the, the scene when he wakes up from the coma and is given the, how long? You know? no, I'm, no bandages. You're right. How come? Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking good. And, I think and across the board, all the acting's great in this movie. I think it's. I think this movie benefits from having just great fucking great casting. Whether oh. we spoke about this before, I think Brooke Adams is great. I think Tom Skerritt is awesome. My I man, Herbert Tom Skerritt Long, always holding it down. Yeah, I think Herbert Long is an actor that I have adored since my youth and watching like the Pink Panther. Films yes. at like fucking age six. I, I would kill this son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's fucking awesome. I think Martin Sheen plays to perfection this idea of this fucking fanatical, you know, uh, on some level moralistic, even though the morals are are weirdly corrupt. Well, it's that feels... super populist, like you know, <laughs> you, what are you doing down here when you ought to be at work? You know, you're yeah, out of a job. I, you lost hope. Climbs yeah, out of his hope. limousine and puts on a hard hat. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, and but that's what they all do. I think it's just. I think. It, I think the cast is just great. And then I love the way the story unfolds. I think we've spoken about this before. Oh, if so you are a fan of Cronenberg, which I know I am, I think it's safe to say boys. All fans here. Sorry, um, my yeah. dog is freaking the. F- I love it. The dogs like that. I'm also a fan of Cronenberg. You're right. Let He's like, I dig body week. horror. Like, yes. <laughs> I d- love gore. Horror. She's uh, a pit mix. She you... likes gore and cuddles. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but when you've got like Cronenberg <laughs> as a director has a very unique visual style and a very unique way of telling stories, which have been emulated by many directors. And we've said this many times. Like the the dead zone is weird and it feels like one of the most authentic Stephen King adaptations, but at the same time, feels like weirdly the most un-Cronenberg film that Cronenberg ever made but at times in this movie it is 100% vintage Cronenberg. There is a scene with a pair of scissors in this movie which makes me cringe more than the majority of films I've ever seen I know it's coming and I feel myself just even talking about it my fingers are kind of curling up it's a horrible (laughs) horrible Cronenberg scene but this to me is the the definitive proof that Cronenberg could one work with someone else's material but two could do a movie which 
felt more in a style which was not necessarily his own while still adapting into it. And the casting of Christopher Walken, which in any other movie shouldn't work. Christopher Walken's so weird. We've just said that it shouldn't work in this movie. Works 100%. I I feel for this guy in this story. I feel the the pain that he goes through. I, I, you know, I want him to get better. I feel, you know, emotionally destroyed when his... You know, his love has moved on to somewhere else, and then I kind of hope they'll connect, and it looks like they might, and they don't. And then ultimately, where he ends up after solving this crime using his power and trying to reject his power, where he ends up, which is this the age old question which everyone will ask someone at one time or another of if you could stop, if you could see into the future, if you go into the past and stop this horrible thing from happening, and you had the power to do it, would you? And I think not only the source material but the particular film itself handles it brilliantly and it's weird that it's become this movie which is weirdly prescient now that you're in this position where there is uh, almost kind of Greg Stilton-esque sort of character in, you, in, in your government just now albeit in saying that Greg Stilton's a better politician than Donald Trump sure. um, much yeah. better articulate yeah no he's an inspiring speaker yeah uh, but like i i love this idea of but i think in some level these things become it's it's almost like on some level a timeless story because these things could always happen there will always be people that we think we don't trust that should do should never have power and of the and the off chance that you do receive power any you know way shape or form ultimate power anyway um, it makes us question if, if you have that ability, if you had the chance to do something to stop it, would you do it? And it's such a simple pre- like kind of premise. And this is this is Stephen King. Uh, I think his most one one of his more interesting writing phases. And he kind of he's not really doing the horror stuff. It's kind of almost the Twilight Zone, and the way he's writing things. You know, you know, imagine you're in a world, a world where men, yeah. you know, this sort of thing. And it kind of works, and it works brilliantly. Well, and it answers the question it sets up, which is, if you knew yeah. someone was going to become Hitler, would you kill them? Yeah. And, you know, Herbert Lom is like, you know, of course I would. That would have, yes, a million times yes. And uh, and then he does, you know, uh, Johnny does. And it, it, like... It it is one of my favorite Stephen King novels because it's just a good story. It's really tragic, you know. the The whole love story that runs through the film is really heartbreaking. Like from jump, there's one scene where they're kind of okay, and then he gets a headache, and it's kind of shit from there. Uh, but they keep trying, and oh, it's it like it's a lovely story in a number of ways. And his relationship with his mother and even his father after his mother dies and all that stuff. Like, all that that stuff is handled so well. And then you layer on top, you know, the violins trilling and (laughs) him, like, doing the jerk, you know. (laughs) The wolf is on the loose. Um, You know, that shit, like, to me, that is the most Cronenberg shit in the movie are those scenes where he he's like interjected into this vision and yeah like especially the one on the bed where you're seeing like the goldfish bowl explode the, the and boiling the fire, yeah. yeah yeah 
Oh man, you like that all of that stuff. is jarring because you go through a lot of you go through the car crash and, and all that all that pain and all the rest, and you're like, oh, well, I don't know what kind of movie I'm watching. I don't know where we're going with this. Where, where's the story going? And you get that first like proper vision of what he's able to do, and it is yeah, it's <laughs> it's so jarring. And it is like you say, but it is so it's Cronenbergian if we can use that as a, like some sort of descriptive term. Um, it is, and I love how they escalate over time as well. He, you know, he manages to harness a bit of his ability uh, when it comes to, you know, knowing where a certain killer would be in an underpass and doing certain things, but not being able to see their face and then all the reveal of who that killer is. Because the thing about this movie as well is it, it has, like, three clear chapters in terms of how the story's told. The book's not, not like that as much. But the story of a guy who loves someone who's in an accident and comes out of this accident and realizes he has a like a gift that he's been cursed with or blessed with, depending on which way you look at. The second one being the whole hunt for the serial killer. So he's he adapting and being able to use his gift to try and track down this horrible serial killer that's happening. And then the end of that. And then the third one really being the introduction of the Greg Stilton character who's been in the background all the way through this. Uh, but gaining more prominence and gaining more importance and how we then fixate on this you know he's tried to relocate he's trying to kind of set his life up but in this chance encounter by touching Greg Stilton sees this version of the future which is tantamount to fucking horrifying about this you know kind of religious not and it's not to be disrespectful but you know he is so kind of fundamental Christian you know that you know this idea of cleansing the world of the bad and let them fly and amen and all this shit this is not necessary mr president we have a diplomatic solution mr vice president mr secretary the missiles are flying hallelujah 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 did, yeah did you guys read the book i've read I the have, book yes all right, so like the introduction to his character is when he's a Bible salesman, that's right, yeah. and he kicks a dog to death, and he maces it too, doesn't he? Yeah, bof, I, bof. I think I think so, and then but he definitely kicks it to death. That's the thing that sticks out. Yeah, uh, I, in my mind, but Ken got so much hate mail over that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I, you know, I'm gonna then, say that King probably didn't get as much hate mail when. Kujo was fucking mauling to death people so it's weird how that works um, so yeah it's but, the fucking St. Bernardism yeah <laughs> it's the thing like what I love about this movie is like see you read that book you know from the introduction of Greg Stilton really that he's a fucking horrible guy and this guy should never move any sort of power because look what he does just as someone that has very little power what I love about the movie is that our introduction to him is really someone who is doing the campaign that meets Christopher Walken earlier on, um, just before the ice breaks, bro. Uh, <laughs> where you know, like when he meets this guy, he shakes hands. He's all very much like, yep, yep. Like slaps campaign. a buck button in his hand. Yeah, it's like literally like what every fucking politician does. It's like rubbing shoulders with people, networking, you know, get your attention, all the rest. And you think he, man, this guy's a bit smarmy but he still he still feels like a decent person and it's not until that moment where he actually has that flash forward to the future that you still like well this guy needs to be stopped i love the way the movie handles that because i think it fits the the 
chronological order of how the movie works that if we're introduced to Greg Stilton as being and to be honest with you before that we've seen him shake down a, in fairness we see him shake down a, a news reporter yeah. Yep. This guy's not a nice guy, but it comes later on in the story after he's existed in terms of the background and all the rest. And we well, the scene earlier on. Sorry. Yeah, well, the scene with the ice is gonna break, guy. Yeah. Uh, when they're watching TV, and like, he, like he tells Johnny, then he's like, "This guy could be dangerous." Yeah. But also, he might be uh, successful. Yeah, but also that guy's credibility is a bit dodgy in that he was told not to let his kids play it on the ice and let them do it anyway. So, but what now? What was he told? He was told. Bro, why are you doing this? <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was basically told not to let him because the ice is going to break! Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. But it's, I love that. It's, it's so fucking dramatic. And the frustration, I think that's what Walken is able to portray in a really good way in this uh, in this movie which sticks with me more than a lot of what happens in the movie is this frustration of I know something that I can't there's no way I can articulate over to you for you to understand the gravity of the situation and what I'm saying to you sounds crazy but I know if you do this bad things will happen and you need to trust me and people having the normal logical reaction which is what the fuck that's a fuck right. off that's crazy that, yeah that's crazy what we, like, and that's what I love about it like I think there's an exacerbation that um, Walken portrays in the movie which is just but it's one of the reasons I love his performance in this I think it's well it it's works. on his way out of that scene like after yeah. he does the ice is gonna break uh, he, he says sorry about the vase <laughs> and <laughs> And it's like, he's too nice a guy. Like, he's just trying to warn this guy his son is going to die. And he's like, yeah, sorry, I had to break your vase to get your attention. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. It, and he's... even the call that he has with him after the kids die, and the guy just lets it. Yeah. He speak to him and all the rest because he, uh, and that's probably worse. Well, we spoke about this before, but. It's probably worse from his perspective of knowing that someone has told him not to do something and having done that. And his kid survives, but the other kids and the other parents don't. My kids were on that beach too. Yeah, I think yeah. it's, it's so... It's, <laughs> nice. It's uh, <laughs> a deep cut. Um, I just think that, I, that whole section to me, that kind of... I think that's where the, like the first part of the, the first third of the movie with him acquiring his ability and being able to twist it and manipulate it all these things is really really cool and it does set up things I think the the movie hits a, and whilst I love how it ends I think the movie really hits a stride in the middle section when it's the you know it's hunting down the CEO killer and trying to start the new life that he tries to do I think that's where the story really kind of levels up um, the cop CEO killer who's going around murdering people in a pretty horrible way and the whole reveal of how that works out I think is is wonderfully done um, but ultimately the movie whilst all these things happen it's weird that we from a from a storytelling point of view a lot of these things are discounted in favour of that end result the you know the last act which is this you know if you could do something to stop someone bad would you do it 
And, and it's a quick last act, too. It's like it really is. 20 minutes from the time it's like, you know, he gets the hunk. And, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, this dude's going to blow up the world. Going to wrap uh, up my gun in a blanket and ride the bus and then it's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, really. It's like 20 minutes. And he's he he talks to Herbert Lom. He jumps on the bus. He writes the letter and then he's shooting the guy. And that's it. And uh, but it's all great. And it I mean, I'm, I'm not faulting the movie for having a quick resolution. It's just like, oh, OK, well, this is the thrust of the story. It's kind of the anti X files where it's like, <laughs> hey, there's serious shit going down that I got to take care of. So I'm going to go take care of that right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and he does. And but it, it's also, you know, you have that moment where it's like, oh, he, did he did he really succeed? And it's only when he touches Martin Sheen's hand again, and and sees the suicide scene where it's like you know, so fucking Stilson finished and uh, you know all that stuff, and it's just like ah, oh, it's done, and you're like oh fuck you, uh, this movie is so good. It's it's a great I think like I I think Cronenberg is. Well, I've, I've said it many, many times. I think he's one of the most interesting, talented filmmakers, you know, ever. I, I genuinely think he's, like, to me, Cronenberg. See, when I'm seeing Cronenberg in, there are not many directors that you're allowed to use as a descriptive term that way. Um, you know, like Hitchcockian or, or, or Lynchian. These things uh, come from a very unique storytelling point of view, a very unique eye. Um, and Cronenberg certainly has this. And when I said earlier on that the Dead Zone is weirdly not Cronenbergian for the majority of it, you know, he does he kind of rests on his not on his laurels, but just moves into a this is how I'm doing this movie. And this is like you got to remember as well, we're coming off Carrie's '76, The Shining's '1980. I, I think it's dead up '80. Yeah. Yeah, '1980. So then you're jumping into the Dead Zone's 83. I think Christine's either 83 or 84. I think that's 84 because Christine is fucking rad. Yeah, So, you know, but this is this is the prime time for King adaptations. You're coming off The Shining, then into the Dead Zone. Yo, when's Cat's Eye? Uh, Cat's Eye's late 80s. Yeah, that is not Prime King. Yeah, so we're still in the in the eighties anyway. Kings like is, is ruling the roost because you're going from the dead zone to things like Pet Cemetery. Uh, you know what I mean? Like just like fucking, you know, it's just I mean, oh no, no, don't go on the road. You know, like you're getting all this fucking. <laughs> you don't want to go down that road. Yeah, that is sometimes that is better. Yeah, like you're getting all this like so like the eighties are just like like primo. King adaptations, and you're getting fucking amazing. Direct. You're going from Kubrick to Cronenberg to Carpenter. I'll right? take that. Yeah, boom. Sounds like the next boom. three Star Wars movies to me. You know, what I mean? like <laughs> boom, boom, boom. That's that is how you roll. If you're Stephen King, who is like fucking like shit hot, like he's got novels that are worth like developing and changing, you know, adapting and, and putting in cinema. And then you're having like the creme a la creme of fucking filmmakers picking that shit up. Oh, he's got Flanagan board on board now, baby. Dude, it's, dude, listen, I'm I'm listen, down listen. too. Just whatever. 
Mike Flanagan, you make whatever old Stephen King movie you want. Do Salem's yeah. Lot, please. Well, he's doing the, what do you call it? He's doing the... Doctor Sleep. Sleep. Yeah, which is, I'm like, fucking yes, give me that now. Now I want that movie, please. But you, what do you mean you haven't filmed it? Film it now, let me see it. Shut up and take my money. Um, I, I can't fucking wait. But King's had this resurgence, but in the 80s, it was incredible directors and incredible you know, source material and property, and and this is this is what you get out of this one. This is before King really starts going all crazy with it. I don't know how he end a book, so we'll put aliens, maybe, <laughs> um, which he does with all, a lot of what he does. But um, it's a simple story. I think it benefits it, and I think if anything, it almost feels like Cronenberg shouldn't direct it because Cronenberg's the guy that you want to go to when things get crazy. Um, right, all right. So he pulls uh, a belly gun out of a stomach pussy. Yep. And then he has to load it with his penis bullets. How about that? Right. Which was made. Where, what's think, David Cronenberg doing? We yeah. could use him for this. <laughs> Which I think was made the year before. <laughs> like, I'm just like Videodrome's either 81 or 82. So he comes off that and does the dead zone. And you're like. He's doing a lynch. He's doing that, like, hey. Uh, I'm gonna jump from a racer head to the elephant man. Yeah, it's it's you so know? fucking weird. He's like, you like, you've got you've got to look at it this way that Cronenberg does um, Shivers, Rabid, then does The Brute, and then does Scanners. Fucking like literally just like this guy's fucking on fire, and then get Stephen King. And does a movie which doesn't feel like Cronenberg all that much. And incidentally, just to, to, to raise the fucking bow, the bow of David Cronenberg, the movie he does right after The Dead Zone, it takes him a couple of years to put out, but it's this little you may you may have heard of it, you may know it. It's this movie called The Fly. Uh -huh. Which is, you're like, the guy is fucking, like, I can't stress how much I love David Cronenberg. I know. It's, it's like, easy. even his dumb ass student movies yeah are, are fucking amazing are kind of interesting yeah they're amazing. they've got a visual quality about them that screams to me unique voice yeah it's weird it's weird like you, like you see them you're like that i'd be interested to see what happened if this guy had a bit of money and then you get shivers and you're like oh that's what happens so this guy hey, gets yeah. some money <laughs> and it's, an editor and an editor but you know, like, so <laughs> but when you when you when you think of david cronenberg though this is the, this is the thing that I, it's all it's almost the same with carpenter to an extent and not so much with kubrick because you could argue that maybe out with 2001 a space odyssey that the shining is the movie that defines kubrick's career because it's so you know it's the movie everyone comes you back don't, to don't you don't think that like dr strange love yeah i think i think I think The Shining's a bigger movie, even though I. I, I mean, I'm not trying to argue with you. I'm just yeah. kind of. I think it is. I think either that. I love Doc, yeah, I think Doc, uh, you know, um, Doctor Strange loves a great movie. I think, I think the movie that defines his career is The Shining. Weirdly, I, I don't know, and uh, I think about the ones that are also iconic, like something like, like I say, 2001: Space Odyssey, or even Full Metal Jacket. I think people gravitate towards The Shining purely because and I think it's purely because of Jack Nicholson I don't actually think it's because of the way he's directed I think Jack Nicholson is the linchpin that makes that movie so huge but yeah. when you when you remove him from the equation there you have whether you're looking at someone like Carpenter or Cronenberg these two auteur genre directors 
when you ask people to talk about their run of movies, I almost guarantee that majority of people, if they were to do like list up their their five movies for either director, neither Stephen King adaptation comes up, which feels criminal, because you mentioned it yourself, and I totally agree. Christine and the Dead Zone are fucking thumping great movies as a start, but when it comes down to adaptations of source work from Stephen King, I think they're done perfectly, really well casted, really well shot, you know, the, the, the full the scope, they've run this pantheon of being able to adapt things in a really interesting way, and it's weird that people don't just default to, you know, Cronenberg, the, you know, yeah, let's mention Scanners, let's mention Videodrome, let's mention The Flyer, Deadbringers or something, but let's mention The Dead Zone, because The Dead Zone's where it's fucking at. The Dead Zone's uh, almost on some level Cronenberg is most commercial and still has a scene where someone, you know, kills himself by self-immolation on a fucking pair of scissors. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's fucking, that's barren and barren and barren. And that, yeah, and that's the end of Act 2. Yeah, that's the, that's the <laughs> finish Act 2. You know what I mean? That's, that's kind it's of like, what oh, fucking... we got another level to go. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is. It's like, it's like, it's almost like playing a computer game you 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 finish level two. Welcome to level three. The assassination of a would-be president. You know what I mean? It's like this is the kind of road you run. I just think it's a fascinating movie, and I think what and the older I get, the more I'm kind of side with Bo on these things. Where Bo said to me, even if, uh, it's not even two years ago, but it's in that time frame about just the Dead Zone being just one of the best overall. Not even just King adaptations, but you know. What you know, one of the better Cronenberg movies was just like a fucking great movie, and I remember being like, "Yeah, it's, I think it made. I think it was in the maybe eight, eight or seven on my top ten Stephen King list." And hindsight, looking back to it now, I think it's easily in top five, if not top three. I, I genuinely think watching it for this run up, I'm like, "That this movie's fucking. I love this movie. I, I think it's. I think it's incredible, and I think it's because it's just." Is almost unique to King when you look at the adaptations. It's the one that doesn't feel like it fits with the overall canon, but clearly is King. It's the one that doesn't feel like a Cronenberg movie, but clearly is a Cronenberg movie. And somehow those two married together make it one of the best. Well, there's a lot of uniqueness to it because it's it, it's kind of a weird King story for him at the time. It's a weird Cronenberg movie for him at the time. It's a weird walk-in movie for him at the time because he wasn't doing a lot of starring roles. And let's not underestimate, underestimate how good the music is in this, oh, too. The, the score's which phenomenal. Is, um, that, da -da, da -da. Oh, man, I just think it's so good. <laughs> like all the winter scenes where it's that kind of lullaby, but kind of down note music oh it's so good um i mean there's just nothing wrong with this movie and every time i watch it i'm like man this still holds up this movie is always good yeah. you know i agree i, th I think it's it, the, the staying power to the movie i think and once again we're in this situation it was weird that when when trump got in people started like oh my god it's just like you know the dead zone and all the rest is that quote and all like that this is the most traction this movie has had as <laughs> part of like 20 years um, another was, reason to, to to think trump for pushing yeah. the culture forward a little bit but all right so like i've seen this movie probably 20 times i would, is it go ahead i was just gonna say is anyone in that ballpark 
I'm probably, probably at least over 10. Okay. I would say I'm closer to the 10, maybe not quite at 10. All right, all right. So w- well enough. Um, I watched it twice this week. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean. All right, so what is, like, because we're all dead zone heads is what the kids call them. Um, <laughs> Lawsuit pending against the dead heads because we want a shorter name. Right, right. It's we it was originally going to be dead zeds but that sounded stupid anyway um but Zed, like what Zed, it, baby. Zed, what Zed. well bring out the gimp think the gimp's sleeping well i guess you just have to go wake him up now won't you what is like aside from all the big flashy scenes and it's okay if that's one of them but like what is the moment in the movie where you're just like fucking dead zone <laughs> It depends on which mood I'm in when I'm watching it. You know, one of the times I watched it, I was thinking about the the prophecy of a fascist ruler or whatever in America, or a totalitarian ruler, maybe. But, you know, I was like, oh, his name's Stilson. It's like still Nixon. Because the book was written in the late 70s, right? After that. And then if I wanted to be extra picky, he crashes into a milk truck, and that's what all the Nazis drink. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, never, driving I've a never Volkswagen. Together, but now I'll never not see it. <laughs> yep. Down yep. deep. Uh-huh. Well <laughs> but I, I think I, I, you've already talked about it, and I guess it's um, can, it could be considered a big moment, but it, it's part of it's in the middle of a conversation. You know, where Watkins like, you've had five years. To me, it was like yesterday. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that's real good. It sort of puts you back into his thing. And he's not, you know, he's not, well, she puts the moves on him first. But, you know, he's not calling her. He's not trying to wreck her relationship. Any, you know, he's not actively yeah. going. You know, I think he's doing pretty well for the time he's shock. Try, he's trying to be cool, but at the same time, he's being honest with her. Yeah, oh, it's good. Yeah, I, I like that. I like the love story, but you don't get beat over the head with it because that's not really my type of movie. I I like that this could have been two separate movies. You know, there's the the political, the Manchurian candidate parallax view part of the movie, and then you know, before that, there's the Cronenbergian. You know, especially watching that. Another small thing was when Skerritt comes out and he's like, "Oh, he won't help," and the. The Dodd's face just lights up. Like, oh, I told you he wouldn't help. And he's, you know, just like so stoked. And then yeah. you can tell he's nervous, yeah, especially after you know how everything goes. You know, you're, yeah, the second view, it's so much fucking better. Yeah, you know, it's like, did he wipe down the pack of cigarettes? Or is the power just not that strong? And, you know, he, he's visibly stiff and he's nervous. And it's just like everywhere you look, it's covered. Uh, d- 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 when you when you see him in the uh, the uh, raincoat, do you ever do the like slick from the book? <laughs> like that runs through my head when I see that. It's not in the movie at all. No, but it was so prominent in that scene where it was like that the slickness of the raincoat. It was like he could get away with it, and oh, it's yeah. such a creepy little villain. And that, you know, talking about the Cronenberg touches in the book, if I'm not mistaken, it's like a straight razor or something like that, that he uses to kill his victims. I think, yeah, I think that's right. 
yeah, but and, th- yeah, no, yeah. it's not. Which yeah. is the sound I assume <laughs> when I do it later. Yeah. <laughs> both full of sins. I love both sins to describe things. <laughs> oh, I'm full of sounds, all right, McLeish. <laughs> but like, and answer your question, Matt. The the bit where I'm like, every single time this movie, I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Is when he arrives at the cop's house, and the mother lets him in, and he's just like, you know, like you knew that he was doing this, and he goes into the bedroom, and the bedroom is fucking weird. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, it's the cowboy crazy. wallpaper and stuff. Oh, so fucking weird. <laughs> the the uh, gun over the rocking chair. <laughs> Or the rocking horse is so like, ugh. It's that's so not creepy. Right. Yeah. And yeah, the fact that he just before that, like, I come back to it because I do genuinely think is one of the most. I don't. I don't know. There, there are certain things that you see in movies that you can imagine what the pain is like, and that makes you mm. win. So, like, if I watch a movie and someone's leg gets chopped off by a chainsaw, can't imagine what that would feel like. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty gross. All oh, right, whatever. But if someone, I don't know, catches their you know, catches their hand on a, like a, a nail or something mm. like a Hellraiser where they catch it, and I'm like that. I instantly wince because I can imagine what that pain feels like. And there's something about those scissors, and I, I, it makes my eyes water. Even just now thinking about it, my eyes are starting to water. Thinking, and it went to just... his brain, Duncan, all <laughs> the way to his brain. Yeah, it's just as it's it's such a brutal way and. Cronenberg knows how to, that's where Cronenberg's like, right, I've, you know, everything's been interesting up to this point, yeah, it's been so, right, let me fuck you up, and he just does that one scene, and it's so out of place compared to everything else that happens in the movie, he just does it, and it's terrifying, and just to build up the way that things play down with the mother afterwards, after he finds, you know, his son dead and, and all the rest, I think it's... That's a bit to me where the movie just like elevates to a completely different level because that's him using his power not necessarily to save someone from going through something bad, but it's to solve the crime and protect people in the future. Yeah, from all the which rape is murders. Ultimately, what he does later on. Yeah, it's ultimately what he does later on when it comes to Stilton's character. But um, yeah, I, I, just, I think that to me, whereas like, when you watch this movie, I'm like this. I, this movie is not where I thought it was going to go. And like Bo says, it finishes there and then takes you on a different journey and then finishes off in a completely different way. I think it's I think it's a really interesting way of putting, you know, like definitive time frames on like this event that, that shapes ultimately this this guy and takes him to, you know, even when he's at like builds up to that, you know, him saying it still you you know, you're you're oh, it's over, you're finished with that shouting up. It's just a fucking this movie's fucking bitching. Oh, I might go watch it again later tonight. <laughs> I might watch yeah, it before no. I go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. All right. L- let me let me give you two little tidbits that every time I, I see it, it's like a, a delicate caress of my nipples. You're excited. Feel these nipples. Um. <laughs> which is a which is the the name of Bo's new solo album. <laughs> you can. S- you can send anything you find on a beach to Dunboco. Yep. And, that's and get Bogos to the beach. Yep. Featuring Delicate Caress of the Nipples. That sounds better than what I said. With Brian Wilson. <laughs> Duets with so many classic characters. <laughs> oh, that was so hard to edit. Anyway. Um, but all right. So I, I, two quick ones. One is when he, they're doing the press conference, when it's like, hey, we got to get rid of all this, 
all the rumors swirling around and there's the asshole reporter that's like what about this johnny and he's like what do you want to know you want to know if you're gonna die you're gonna die i'm gonna die we're all gonna die you want to know if you're gonna die tomorrow and then like the whole like I'm, when he's grabbing his hand oh, yeah. and and he's like you want to talk about your sister the one who killed herself and the the report's like it, hey this it's okay it's all right and he's like no it's not okay it's not all right and you're just like oh fuck he's in it he's in a trance <laughs> and he's fucking with this dude and uh their eerie powers at work um yeah, two seconds later it goes to that i am iron man yeah because <laughs> <Everyone's like, gasps> he's iron man christopher walken is iron man that's all i'm saying imagine oh because oh. you imagine fucking amazing if you got him like view to a kill era christopher yeah. walken more, as iron man more power uh-huh <laughs> uh the uh, the other one and this is another kind of quiet scene but it's after tom scarrett leaves after pitching uh you know hey why don't you come help us with this killer and johnny's like you know get the fuck out of here <laughs> like i'm i'm done like all i want to do is be, or all i want to uh is to be left alone and um he's talking to his dad and he's like man you know his father says i really wish your mother were here because she would know what to say uh and uh and and there's a moment where his father says uh this doesn't bring you much happiness does it and it's kind of this moment where christopher walken looks at him and it's like that's kind of what he needed to hear you know it's like this really nice moment of bonding between he and his father and i i really I like there are a couple of little acting moments in this film that are just amazing you know and it comes from everybody i mean walken certainly but uh, I like. I really like Brooke Adams' delivery on. Uh, uh, they're all talking about you, and it's like, the fuck are you talking about? Like it's kind of the first you as the audience hear of it. And anyway, really, oh man, Just- she she's how we got started talking about doing this episode because she was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers that we were oh, talking uh, about. Man, Brooke Adams, Karen Allen. It, it like that is that is Bo's pubescence <laughs> standing in the we in the reeds. Oh sure, and and Karen Allen uh, in the in the skirt for Balak in the tent, and it was like that was puberty right there. <laughs> it was like all right, I I understand so many things all of a sudden. <laughs> it's weird. My my, my uh, Duncan's adolescence was Kelly LeBrock. Weird science. Oh weird. Science. Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. What would you little maniacs like to do first? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I can't tell you because it's illegal. Um. What said what? It's a man. Another movie that made today would be fucking run out of town on a rail. You cannot do that shit anymore. Oh yes. Oh, like now, yeah, it would not happen. Literally, the only line that would survive from that movie is Gary's just taking a shit. (laughs) <laughs> that's like the only that's literally the only line that would survive from that movie and, and uh give them the knee shooters would probably yeah. slip through i'm surprised they're remaking overboard that, yeah because that's a movie it's about changed, kidnapping and rape yeah but yeah. it's totally changed how they've done it though is it not it's gonna be a woman doing it to a man instead of a well man that's doing still kidnapping and yeah. rape 
Yeah, hashtag right. me too, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right! Hashtag Mulder too. Yeah, Mulder <laughs> 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 So, yeah, there's so there's some there's just, yeah. That they On couldn't... brand, McLeish. <laughs> Constantly promoting, bro, I'm down with it. It's ever expanding. <laughs> 100% there, all the time. The expanded oh, Legion dude, universe. Yeah, yeah I mean... <laughs> This, uh, this show is so much fun because I'm not responsible for anything. Yeah, this is true. This is true. The previous recording, which like we like put put your listeners in perspective. If anyone ever wants to come across and listen to two guys pretend to talk about the X Files, uh, which does happen, but you have to wade through two hours of non X Files. That is not correct. The last episode, we talked about the X Files right off the bat for like two three minutes. <laughs> and you stopped that right did away. Not, yeah, did not speak about it again for an hour and a half, and then came back to talk to it for an hour and a half, taking the kid those episodes of 42 minutes. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? That's fucking ridiculous. That, we did itself, two Twin Peaks in that time. Yeah, two Twin Peaks, and had like this big conversation of where, where we thought the show was going. We do two even... Twin Peaks and go to dinner. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, like, we, we did, uh, we were currently working our way through the X-Files at the moment, so if you get the opportunity and you're watching you see the X-Files, come across and listen to Duncan and Bo, uh, go through it, trust me, it will reward you, nothing more than me finding that I could use the term to Weinstein something, which is basically when you ejaculate into a plant pot. Uh, and then Bo doing his impression of being caught wine steering, which is this noise here where you get caught by something, you go, oh, oh, which, <laughs> which I just think this is like, this great idea of that's the universal noise you make when you're wanking in an apple plant pot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, oh. when you get caught, yeah. Well, you get, well, only when you get caught. If you don't get oh. caught, everything's fine. Oh. Uh, so, it's got many, many noises. Uh, at, at the risk of swinging it back around from a distraction that I took us on in a, a diversion which was not merited but was worth it because I plugged the show. Uh, yeah, I think in summation, I think it's, it's a movie that certainly is now more prescient now just because of the political climate where things are, the conversation that people have uh, involving your country's politics, but just, just in general, you know, if you could stop something, what would you? Uh, if you thought it could end up terrible. But I think if you remove that, I think the movie, whilst that's the the kind of the ultimate story that a lot of people take away from it, I think the movie has a good hour and what ten minutes uh, runtime where that is not at the forefront and delivers some great kind of nuanced performances. I think oh, we said it before, Christopher Walken is phenomenal in this movie, and the fact that Christopher Walken wasn't even put up for like an Oscar that year it's kind of criminal because he does it all in this movie and he does it well um it's just a fucking oh. great movie not uh, to jimmy jenkins uh summations uh <laughs> <laughs> it's a deep reference uh on this show um but there is uh, a line i have to credit to tom scarrett uh, because anytime someone asks me, especially being in the South, you get it a, a fair amount more than in other parts of the country, I presume. Um, but I, I stole Tom Skerritt's line from this movie, which is if someone says, uh, are you religious or asks about it, I say, well, I'm not religious. Sorry to say. And I like, <laughs> I, I like throwing it that way. of like, yeah, just, you know, sorry. No. Hmm. 
and I, like it's a real i've i have found that in practical use it is very helpful hmm. so well done tom scarrett or whoever wrote that line for you yeah i do not remember if that's in the book um, oh god i yeah i don't remember it in that detail although the letter in the book is much longer i remember that yeah it's a lot more like remember that day at the park sarah <laughs> uh and in this movie it's like nah fuck that like you'll never understand why i'm doing this and it's like right on okay yeah i mean you your your former girlfriend now has to live with the idea that she dated a terrorist um <laughs> I don't know how you apologize for that. <laughs> well, well, I guess she hadn't had the letter yet, but she does say I love you at the end. Yeah, that's kind of nice. I, again, I'm a sucker. And uh, uh, the end of the book, I think, is what the end of the letter he writes her, right? Yeah, if Thought I remember it correctly. It's been a few years. Like, she gets the letter in the epilogue, and so the epilogue is basically his letter explaining his actions or whatever but anyway yeah and i think cronenberg said again. that he didn't want he didn't feel right putting that extra bit at the ending the sort of well this you're definitely sure that she moved on and she's okay she's okay later he's liked how it ended there on the floor yeah oh yeah because that's sorry <laughs> I was just saying it's yeah that's the end of the story and then you know period Duncan yeah do you match she, she lifts the letter up show me the letter she reads the letter and he says like that I got your watch your father's watch I have I put the watch on my ass okay this watch five years on my ass like, now she watch your father's watch how dare you interrupt break. me for that impression <laughs> <laughs> It's your watch, your father's watching. I, I took the watch, I put it in the only place I knew it was safe on, on my ass, okay? The five years on my ass. Are you doing that? That sounds like Kaitel. It could be, it could be a mixture of the two. I, I know there are, <laughs> in fairness, there are a lot of Tarantino movies and there's crossover there, so. They got in the yeah. fly, the, the fly machine, and it's uh, Harvey Katalkin. <laughs> Christopher Kaitel. Christopher Kaitel. <laughs> Christopher Kaitel's pretty good. I think that might be my costume at Halloween. To, like, <laughs> you watch your your father's watch. Give me your watches. Get the watching all the place on you on my ass. Um, that's a bit better, isn't it? So, I don't know. Was that Bette Midler? I don't even know what, will what's happening. I destroy you, Boran. Still, I will destroy <laughs> you and your people. <laughs> what? And your people, all of them will pay. My people, Americans. All of them. I will. Your people will all go. That's what happens you when you sit dunking out drinking. I want you dead. That's right. I declare war on an entire country um, <laughs> because of a because of a <laughs> a podcast misunderstanding. What are you more at war with America? You heard me. <laughs> that is that is scottish diplomacy right there you heard me you, that's literally yeah you heard me you I, didn't I, say I anything you, you the, just the, started asking me if i if i'd heard you as the as the i told you before that you heard me is the is the it's that great simpsons thing where <laughs> well, it's like that yeah uh, you know 
By the way, <laughs> don't you ever dare accuse me of bringing up groundskeeper Willie inappropriately around you. I can do it, though. You. you can't do it. It's like an Indian man doing impressions <laughs> of a poo. He's allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. But a white guy I, does have poo. He's, he's like, I know, that's what's wrong with that show, right? <laughs> I think, don't get fucking stuck that. <laughs> I think there's yeah. an indie film coming out in New York next week called The Problem with Apu. About yeah, that. I think that's I think that movie was like ha, has been due to be released easily for the last twenty five years. Macroning. Um <laughs> like, let's let's get All right. yeah, there's that Fair. great Willie thing when he's like that, you know. Uh, was it something like a like uh, a dog was sick on the floor and he's like that, you know. Uh, <laughs> I eat it, and he's like that. You, you what? And he's like, you heard me. Um, <laughs> so that's what I kind of love about it. Is like that. I hate it, but because he's generic Scottish American accent, it becomes I eat it, and people are like, Ugh. and he's like, you heard me. You heard me. <laughs> Bo does it, and it's terrible. Like Bo does it, and it's like some weird kind of cross between an Irishman, an Englishman, and a Scotsman, which feels like the basis for a joke. <laughs> an Irishman and an Englishman and a Scotsman walk into a bar and then all manner of hilarity ensues. Um, so there you go. And on that, <laughs> on that, we agree that America surrenders to Scotland in the war and you take us back. And <laughs> you can put Trump in the Tower of London. He would like that. He would be up above everybody. Uh,. And then he wouldn't even be in Scotland. And uh, I think, do you agree to these terms? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Oh, are you asking, Duncan? Well, I need to ask I, you, too. I, we need at least two American votes to, to change the I'm leaders. I'm officially not in any compassmented state to agree to anything to be legally binding. So I can say yes, but it doesn't hold anymore. I <laughs> don't really understand what he's saying. I assume he agrees to our terms. <laughs> Because I started breaking out legal Latin terms and Bo at that point is not having any of it. <laughs> it's been a while since we really bring out that I don't understand what Duncan's saying, towel. Yeah. We should probably it's, bring it's, that back soon. Yeah, in fairness, Bo has been fairly kind in understanding things that I've said of late. <laughs> I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't used terms like garbage. Was it garbage truck or bin lorry to confuse him? Uh, you know, try to correct his, his language or his spelling, which I'll work on. Um, <laughs> instead of Z's, uh, use where hey. there needs to be them and not remove like All I'm and saying is... like pavement instead of sidewalk, which is just silly. I am, uh, all I'll say is that one country won its war for independence. The <laughs> other is uh, a Brexit country. This is true, and um, while you sit down and watch your large TV tonight, just remember it was a Scot that invented that. When you go use the phone, a, a large television. Well. <laughs> yeah. we invented the whole fucking thing. Oh, the, all right. I thought you just went like, hey, what, what if we make this bigger? <laughs> yeah, a penicillin, which I know you have to pay for through the day through your insurance, but we invented that as well. <laughs> uh, and also, your your deck, you, you know, this little thing that you have, this thing where you like, oh, we've got all these amendments and all the rest here. Declaration of Independence and all that. Um, you, you know, this is this great piece of work. Oh, we're this experiment in government or whatever you like to call the nonsense that I've, you have in your country. I've heard of it. The, the, yeah, yeah. The, 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 There's a map to the, the country, secret Masonic 
treasure on the back of it. Yeah, well, the sort the ornament Nicholas Cage, ornament Nicholas Cage, face off, face off. Um, but yeah, the, there was a country that did it maybe 250 years before you'd have the first recorded one of that, and that was Scotland as well. So suck my dick. <laughs> I would, but the queen won't we let me. Ex we existed. We existed before you. A year long after you. Yeah. Well, you're probably right about that. Yeah, and uh, that's just due to <laughs> massive amounts of inbreeding. Um, so, <laughs> so it's like it's like it's like cockroaches, Skodas, and Scots hold the be What is survives a nuclear war? Yeah, it's like uh, HP Lovecraft's The Lurking Fear. <laughs> See, told you every now and again he will spring into what kind of sounds like Scottish, but isn't quite. <laughs> I like that I've been in fairness, like the effort he puts into it. I try, I'm not. If he just put more, I mean, <laughs> I leave it on the field if that's what you're saying. <laughs> I put all out in the field, Duncan, all uh -huh. out in the field. I give it my all. <laughs> I leave these podcasts sweaty and drained. <laughs> This, this, has been, this has been awesome thank you very much for inviting me on yeah thanks both of you for coming back um i hope we can do this again singularly or together this was a blast and yeah uh, singularly because i don't like both <laughs> so, no, I'm, I'm, anytime anytime man i love coming on this show and whether it's shooting shit about politics making you question your uncomfortable nature of where you are just now uh, from an outsider's point of view or whether it's talking about fucking matching movies like this uh, i will come on anytime but yeah me and bo should trust me me and bo have an arsenal of movies that we are no longer allowed to discuss because we're talking about tv shows for the next <laughs> 20 years and uh, that if we have an avenue to come on here and discuss movies i dare say speaking for bo even though he'll deny it afterwards we'd love to <laughs> We could do like Duncan and Bo go to the Psychosomatic podcast. That sounds like a thing. Perfect. To <laughs> <laughs> totally. Like, so the, the first, uh, instead of like the, the first hour and a half that we talked about politics here, the first hour and a half is me and Bo talking about what we watched, what we didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that you've had us both on the show, we're changing your format. Um... <laughs> uh, so America and Scotland teamed up against other America. Oh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a real turncoat. Like, I'll, if Scotland looks like they're going to win, I'm on board. Yep. <laughs> I, do, I, I do like Nicholas Sturgeon, yeah. Yeah, you'll do it in a second. Yeah, in a heartbeat. You did never trust Bo. <laughs> no, uh, Path of Least Resistance. That's, <laughs> that's where you'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the bonus of not really having much of a format, is it's it's fluid. It's a free-flowing currency, like uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders likes to talk about. But uh... <laughs> it sounds disgusting. Yeah, Ugh. but maybe maybe we will stricken strike her from stricken her from the record. We'll strike her from the record. That's the word. Yes. Yeah. yeah I think... <laughs> stricken her from the the record for yeah. sure. We're stricken with her right now. Um... We're stricken, Nicken. What? <laughs> The smitten kitten. Oh, the smitten kitten. <laughs> See, that's all you gotta do. Like, you could plug a nickel into that monkey anytime. <laughs> oh, smitten kitten. But before we go, 
Uh, you guys need to. He's just kicking us off now. <laughs> he's, like that, he's like that. He's like that. This is fucked. Dude. Well, right, like, as long as I get this, we can go on we, afterwards. And... We're yeah, we'll be doing this whether you're here or not. <laughs> but I need to get you guys plugging your awesome shows that are on the wonderful Legion Podcasts Network, of which I am happily a part and participant. I don't know which one of you, uh, Bo, you you lost the coin toss. So, Duncan, which one of you goes first? Bo, because Bo's in charge. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Um, uh, LegionPodcasts.com is where you can find everything. Uh, my own shows are all monthly, so I can do something different every week. Uh, <laughs> I'm selfish. Uh, but it's a uh, horror hangover, which is kind of a deep dive into a weird and or, uh, interesting film. Uh, there's the hero or go show, uh, which has just added a new segment called the Zilla zone. <laughs> Where, uh, as I do those episodes, we check in with our pal Godzilla uh, in chronological order through the, at least through the Showa films, and we'll see what happens. Um, most recently, Godzilla Raids Again, uh, which is the most accurate title of any movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> Where Godzilla just shows back up, only this time he's got a pal. Um, uh, shit, what else? Uh, the Shotcast, which is a bi-weekly video game podcast, and then uh, Duncan and Bo go to whatever, currently the X-Files, uh, which is weekly. And what am I, am I leaving something out, Duncan? I'm looking over my shoulder. <laughs> I think you've covered it all. That's... Okay. I was looking at my, my dry erase board where <laughs> I have all the shit I'm doing. I'm like, well, what am I doing? Okay. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, Duncan. What about yep. you, DMAC? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pushing that a little bit. Yeah. Dear God, it's like, a, <laughs> like a, a shite character from New Jack City. Um, <laughs> I thought it like a, a like <laughs> crisscross featuring DMAC. DMAC sounds, sounds like the, the Scottish version of DMX. <laughs> like, a well, shite all right. Yep, this is like the Scottish rap equivalent. Um, yeah, so like Bo said, Duncan and Bo got the X Files currently running. There are seven episodes, six, seven episodes left of that show because we're doing weekly reviews of the current season of the X Files. Memo to Chris Carter: Please stop. Let it die. Please let it die. <laughs> um, so fucking bad. So Take this bad. hound out back. And my show, Podcast Under the Stairs, which is weekly, but most of the time now it's two episodes a week. I don't know why I've upped that and I don't know how to stop it. So <laughs> at this stage, just going to keep going. Um, this coming, well, it depends when this episode drops, but I advocate everyone checks out the episode we dropped at the end of January, which is Baz v Horror. Baz takes on the Masters of Horror, uh, taking on Stuart Gordon's Reanimator and From Beyond, the funniest shit you'll hear recorded ever. I and, cannot uh, wait. 
oh man, you're not ready. No one's ready for it. It's gonna, it's gonna destroy you. Uh, and I can't wait for it to destroy everyone because I want that to happen. But yeah, thank you once again for having me on. Always a pleasure chatting to Bo. I had to bite my lip when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys feel like you got to say everything about the dead zone that um, you may have avoided or forgotten about the last time you talked about it? No, I, th- I think I th- I, it's weird because like, cause we had like this huge exhaustive conversation about it before. And I think what came away from it was like that I felt personally my previous review didn't stress how much I actually really enjoy the movie as a movie without trying to pick it apart and fucking psychoanalyze it within an inch of its life. I just think as a movie, it flows really, really well. And I think it's just it's one of these rare occasions where you get a Stephen King adaptation, which is held by a great director with a great cast. Um, and a story which kind of the weird thing about the movie is it kind of feels timeless and I think that's why it's become more not just the Trump thing and all the rest but why it's kind of popped itself back up because the story itself feels kind of timeless You, these questions are always asked to people whenever you know would you do something to prevent something from happening etc etc um, and yeah I think I think it's, the, it's one of these weird examples of a movie that it doesn't feel like the director's voice, but very much when you're watching it, feels like it is. It's a weird kind of juxtaposition of all these different things. So yeah, uh, whilst I didn't go into specific detail or anything like that, I enjoyed discussing it on this show. I think I think it lends itself to. I mean, I'm glad I waited a year before I did it, and uh, I've got a couple ideas of movies that I'll I'll shoot to you guys a little bit later. Uh, Gonna have a couple of the more heavy hitters this year. The act of killing. Now you hear that, boy? He's gonna have us on for the act of killing. Nice, nice. I've got the Blu-ray. Movie of the year. Uh, how about we do "Call Me Lucky"? Oh God. Watch that movie. Uh huh. See, all I gotta do is say the words, and it's like that movie's so fucking good. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's it is probably the best thing Bobcat Goldthwait will ever do. Yeah. Because uh, it's that good. Yeah. What is it? It says I'm a communist with AIDS and a bite. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah, tattoo that on me. <laughs> oh, so, so good. And I think the first Bobcat Goldthwait movie I ever saw was Shakes the Clown that I was aware of. Oh. Yeah. Oh, sure. I And at the time, like, it made me less likely to see his next movie because I, I really wasn't crazy about Shakes the Clown, but I've kind of liked everything but that. Oh, okay. Yeah. It made me more anxious because I was a fan, but I grew up next door to a married couple that were clowns, so I've kind of had a weird <laughs> in, interest in clown, right, clown movies, clown culture. You're biased, yeah. <laughs> uh, biased towards clowns, I get it. <laughs> Yep. But Gosh, but like, <laughs> uh, have you seen uh, Sleeping Dogs Lie? No, not yet. That's a really interesting movie. And uh, of course, uh, World's Greatest Dad. Yeah, of course, yep. World's Greatest Dad. And I liked what was it? Willow Creek was that him? I, I liked that quite a bit. Great movie. Willow yeah. Creek is a great movie. Yeah. Uh, World's Greatest Dad was the one though that was like, well, shit, he's. <laughs> He's, He's kind of kicking it up a notch, yeah. <laughs> and then when I saw uh, Call Me Lucky, even though it's a documentary, it's so well put together. It's, man, oh, fuck, that movie 
we've talked about such good films tonight. <laughs> and and what I really want to do is uh, go watch Mom and Dad because I still haven't seen that yet. Oh, you must. I was going to say, what I really want to do is go watch Ouija Experiment 5, which is what I expect from both. <laughs> no. Come on, man. I'm on, I'm on my time now. This isn't some bullshit on at work. Where I'm like, where I'm like, oh, that's not very good. Um, yeah, go and watch Mom and Dad. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, dude. yeah. Uh, I've been I've been kind of saving it, and I've been doing marathon shows lately, like a madman. That's what they call them. Madman Bo. Is what they call him. <laughs> they call me Madman Bo. Look at Madman Bo. He's at it again. Can anyone stop him? No, he's mad. <laughs> I spin the platters that matters, baby. See? <laughs> <laughs> so that's not how he usually talks. This is all going weird. <laughs> well, I, I was doing Wolfman Boo. Oh, no, I love it. It's great. Keep doing it. The Wolfman Jack. See? Have you spoken your piece about the Dead Zone, Mr. Bo? Unlike Duncan, I did not come here with some kind of sneaky agenda to correct past <laughs> mistakes. <laughs> Sounds uh, like Bo. Half a job, Bo strikes again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, I actually, I yeah, I kind of, I kind of wanted to point out like the little moments in this movie that I think every, like everybody's got that favorite scene in the Dead Zone, but kind of everyone's is different. And and I think that speaks to the quality of the film is that there's so much good stuff that everyone is like, you know what I like? I like the goldfish bowl. Yeah. And they're like, fuck you. I like what about like scene? Right. Like, what about the gazebo? Funny word, isn't it? Um, you know, like all that stuff. It's just like it is such a, a great film because the moment to moment of the movie is always good and and that's almost underselling it like it's all good and such a large portion of the moment to moment is great and uh it's a movie i can watch all the time and have you know clearly i have seen this movie uh not quite once a year on average of my life but pretty close and uh and that's saying something Hell yeah. Well, thanks again, guys. And um, I think we did a good job connecting three different time zones for this. Yeah, thanks so much, man. I really... Uh, no, no bullshit. Thank you so, so much for everything you have done uh, for the Duncan and Bo stuff, like all the, the art stuff you've done. I know I always say it, but I, I can't ever say thanks enough it i love it all i appreciate you taking the time to do it and it it just means the world so thanks very much oh i'm i'm just glad you guys like it i uh i think you could go about me no rumble that's my way <laughs> well now i've got you've you've put you've publicly put your visage on the internet and you have declined Finally, it's only t- it's only taken them like 10 years or some shit like that but... you have declined to be kept in witness protection. So, right, right. Um, well, it expired. Uh, <laughs> the guy, the guy's dead now. Yeah, so I'm apparently, good. Apparently, 
people were getting confused. Apparently, Bo is not the front cover of a novel and or a cat or puppy. <laughs> <laughs> weirdly, weirdly enough. Um, so, yeah. uh, the cat or puppy is pretty close. It's pretty, yeah, it's uncanny. It's, <laughs> I know. it's the ears. <laughs> They're both floppy and slimy. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want—I just want to say this is where we're, we're doing like the the podcast equivalent of a kind of congratulate uh, a circle jerk here. Oh, um, well, if yeah, it's going to con- be that kind of party, Mister <laughs> uh, Data. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, like congratulations on one making it to a year there. And that's that's like no mean feat when it comes to podcasts, but. Once again, it's great having you on Legion Podcast Network. I think your show is one of the reasons that the network kicks ass and that it is lots of really cool ideas from really interesting people that are pushing the standards, the boundaries, and the conversations of podcasts all within one home, but delivering different facets and different ideas and things like that. And I think it, we are only emboldened and made better by your presence on the network. Oh. See, Infinitely better than what Bo said. <laughs> well, I want to thank you. Time, took, me, took me half the time. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> oh, your flattery will get you everywhere, sir. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. Right, let's get off the Skype yeah, and it's suck a... each other off. Yeah. All right. Bell knobs and broomsticks. <laughs> Isn't that the Disney movie? <laughs> bed knobs, bed knobs and bed, yeah, bed, right no, what, what that's what i said yep i thought bed. you said bell bell i thought you said bell, bell knobs, knobs and brooms <laughs> yeah belt and buckles broomsticks. and broom handles <laughs> yep, oh, that's, a, that's that, a different movie that reminds me of my childhood <laughs> black yukon sucker punch <laughs> just in anything you kept from netflix the Dunboco. That's all. That's all you said. <laughs> anything you reported lost, like, wink, wink. Yeah, anything else that comes along with that that we didn't ask for gets sent back at your expense. <laughs> C-O-D. In fairness, we've asked for enough at this point. As long as, long as you mark it found at bus station, you're yeah. pretty much good. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've had to buy a warehouse to store it all. And the people... Happy. Yeah. The, the people that got sent in are not pleased. No, but not pleased. we've got to keep them until we know the tax situation. Yep. Until we, until we can write it off as a deductible. <laughs> <laughs> but until then... Thanks a lot, guys, for coming on. Uh, thanks, thanks, everybody, for listening. And... Uh, don't forget to duck and cover. Hi. Hi. Duck and cover. <laughs> duck and cover.
I didn't call him names, and he called me names. This is what we. This is all going on record.